everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering podcast, featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan, usually. But this week, we have a special bonus episode out for you in the Just Enjoy the Show format. We're going to be covering Stranger Things and some Comic-Con news. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. If you want sports talk, that's okay. I have a sports episode out for you this week. I spoke to former Jet wide receiver Rob Carpenter about the Jets training camp headlines earlier this week. That episode is out on iTunes as we speak. If you don't want to listen to it, this one, that's okay. You can go check that one out. But if you're going to stick around, I'm going to break down Season 3 of Stranger Things with Pete Considori. The latest Netflix series has dropped a couple, I think last month actually, but finally got around to finishing it. A lot of thoughts with Pete. That was a fun conversation. Also bringing back our resident film critic, John Stanko. And we are going to break down some of the big news out of Comic-Con regarding the MCU. We're going to talk some movie trailers, TV trailers, and movie reviews with John. All that is coming up in just a bit, but first we're going to dive into the world of Stranger Things with Pete Considori right after this. Written on the pages is the answer to a never-ending story. Ah, reach the stars, fly a fantasy. All right, we are back on the Just on the Suffering podcast, the Just Enjoy the Show episode this week about the Stranger Things Season 3. You guys heard the big musical number from Episode 8, the finale of the never-ending story between Dustin and his girlfriend, Susie. I'm happy to have with us a, our normally the hockey guy on this podcast, but he is also a huge Stranger Things fan, Pete Considori. Pete, welcome. How are you? I, I am so happy you played that song <laughs> as our intro. That that. For those of the people that have seen Stranger Things, this song was such out of left field. <laughs> It, I didn't see it coming. It was in the most appropriate spot, in my opinion. But wow, that's a great song. Thank you for having me on. Other than hockey, like you said, big Stranger Things fan. Uh, I just got into it a couple years ago. I watched season one and season two when season two came out, so I was a little behind. But now I'm all caught up. I saw season three, uh, and I'm I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you here. Like obviously, like. Stranger Things is one of my things I've talked about on this podcast before. I've had our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rose, on. She cannot be here this week, but I was happy to bring you in, and you're going to be You know, I'm going to be honest. I think you tell people I'm going to be on. They're like, no, 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 we don't want to talk to them. And, they just, <laughs> and they're just like, oh, I'm busy. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you're into this. So before we dive into everything, before we get into the spoiler stuff, so can you give everybody a brief like the thirty, the elevator pitch on what Stranger Things is for those who have not seen it. So Stranger Things is a sci-fi thriller um, that has to do with a different dimension uh, within the world that we know it. It takes place in Hawkins, um, and it's it it follows around. Uh, originally, it follows around kind of four friends. Uh, turns into five friends, turns into six friends, and just a- as each each episode uh, grows, the amount of characters that are involved in this sci-fi thriller, thriller gro- grows, um, and they evolve. And there's really good character development. Um, by season three, pretty much everyone that you've met in season one has something to do with season three in, in some way, um, and it it's something that I didn't think I would give a chance. I saw about that's why I watched season one. I was like, "Oh, Stranger Things!" Like, whatever. I don't want to see it. I watched the first season with my girlfriend. I was like, "Wow, this needs to be something that I watch every time it comes out." I've rewatched it a couple times too. So, uh, Stranger Things, I definitely recommend. You got to give it a chance, people. Just like The Office, you know, sometimes it starts. Slow. You just got to give it a chance. Put it on. It's 
fast seasons. Each season is about 10, 12 episodes. This past season was short. It was about eight episodes, which, um, you know, a lot of people I've talked to said like, hey, why, why only, why so short? But um, just give it, a, give it a shot. It's an easy binge show. So um, if you have Netflix, it's definitely a recommendation. Absolutely agree with all that. One thing Pete did not mention, I'll throw in there. They also a lot. Of, it's set in the mid eighties, right? First, yes, first, yes. First season, that's eight, important. Yeah, first season was eighty three. Second season was eighty four. This year was eighty five. So we're going basically a year at a time with this show. So a lot of eighties nostalgia. And give me your grade for season three. It, like is A plus the highest? Yeah. I'm going to give it an A yeah. because I think it was still lacking some things, and we'll get into that. But I think overall it was the strongest season. Um, don't get me wrong, one and two are right up there, but it, it was lacking a little bit something, and we'll get into it later on. Yeah, I think in terms of my personal powering, I think I put this is the second. I put it above season two. I think below season one. I think season one is just such a high bar to clear. But yeah, but that's the problem, right? Yeah. So like season one was like setting it up. This is it's like all new to us. But yeah. if you if you look at it like okay, it's not new to you anymore, and you watch rewatch season yeah. one, two, and three. To me, with the character development, with what's going on, for me, it's the strongest. Obviously, I'm sure Stanko has a different opinion. You have a different opinion on it, but yeah, uh, definitely really good. Yeah, so a lot of fun, and now we're going to get into some spoilers. So if you've not seen the season, I'll give you your chance to get out of the podcast right now. Love it. Okay, so obviously if you do are still listening to this, you either have seen season three and the previous seasons, or you don't care about being spoiled. So now we're going to get all into this. Oh, yeah. And I got to tell you, man, this was the most... 80s season I've ever seen oh. with the Russians, oh. with the with the mall, with the new Coke. If, if, if you did, wanted to know about the 80s, watch Stranger Things season three, and you pretty much get the five like big theme topics, like malls or like it. it, it it's just it. The way they did the mall was perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, they really they do a good job, especially with season one and two, keeping with the time. Right? Yeah. They do a really good job at that. The cars, the the way the houses look, the the clothing, the outfits, uh, everything like that. Even the characters' hair. Like yeah. Nancy has this big poofy curly yeah. hair, like that was really popular in the eighties. So they do a good job with that. Um, the Russian, like I think the Russians kind of like put it over the top. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. Russians mm-hmm. big in the eighties. So it. it um, they, they definitely they definitely pictured it and captured it very very well I mean we had the great moment too like we had the Russian Terminator chasing hopper around oh the yeah <laughs> that's all I could think about all I could think about was was like literally Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator yeah I don't know why but it's like he was so robotic when he yeah. walked like yeah. I just it's all I thought about and it's funny that you brought that up because I literally turned to my girlfriend I'm like that looks like the Terminator yeah. just the way he's acting it doesn't look like obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger but just the way that that the actor portrayed this character I'm like this is this is the Terminator this is great yeah blatant Terminator reference we also got a couple of movies in there we got we got them sneaking to back to the future back to the future we got day, day of the dead was in there yes yeah, yes a lot of great 80s movies they, they listen <laughs> if you if you grew up in the 80s and you watch this season I think you're gonna find it very um true to what it is i didn't grow up in the 80s but from what i've seen what i've you know heard about because my dad was born in the 50s so he lived through the 80s and same thing with my mom it it's very very close so you you'll enjoy that part the mall thing was fun obviously the mall is sort of the main set piece for a lot of this for at least a third of the characters this season we had episodes season 
episode two basically was Max Eleven shopping at the mall, and you saw right. what, and you saw all the stuff like the Jazzercise, yep. the food yep. court, all that cr- crazy stuff. Well, if you think about it, the mall is, is yeah. pivotal to yeah. what's going on because yeah. that's where they're opening up the gate, right? Yeah. So here comes more spoilers. This is where we really get into it. You know, all the eighties things, but um, that's where they're opening the gate in this mall, and yeah. um, it's not really right under the mall, like it, for. For Steve and them, like it took them a while yeah. to get where they had to get, so we don't know where the gate was being opened, but the access point was the mall. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it the mall is is pivotal to this season, but you it's like oh, it's just a mall. Like you don't really think of it, um, until you know Robin and Steve start cracking the code with Dustin. Yeah. It's 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 uh yeah, yeah a lot of fun. And before we move on to some other plot points, I have to play this thing about the, about the new code. I think this was just hilarious. How do you even drink that? Because it's delicious. What? It's like Carpenter's The Thing. The original is the classic. No question about it. But the remake? (sighs) Sweeter. Bolder. Better. You're insane. So, you prefer the original thing? What? No, I'm not talking about the thing. I'm talking about New Coke. It's the same concept, dude. Uh, actually, it's not the same concept. It is the same concept. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Hey! Sorry. Sorry. I mean, that was great. I want to know how much Coca-Cola <laughs> paid Stranger Things in sponsorships. Yeah. for That literally was a 30-second ad. Yeah. Like, you... If... <laughs> I feel like the way of the future with like YouTube ads and stuff yeah. like that, they're just going to put it inside the videos from now on. Like Stranger Things, Netflix doesn't have ads in between the commercials, right? Uh, yeah, between no, the shows. Yeah. Um, Hulu has this thing where if you don't pay the premium price, there is commercials because it's more TV shows yeah. and they need to make money sometimes too. But but they literally had a 30-second spot in Stranger Things about new Coke. It's hysterical. I was laughing and my girlfriend <laughs> couldn't get it. I'm like, they literally just did a Coca-Cola ad right in front of you and you didn't even think about it. Um, and, you know, and product pay- placement is not new, right? They've yeah, been doing that in movies and yeah. TV shows for a very long time. I've never seen it done that blatantly where it's not a joke. Yeah, I, I think it's so funny because, like, I mean, we had product placement in the season. I mean, we had them go to 7-Eleven to get yes. Slurpees. We yes. had Hopper probably hold up a Burger King bag as he was getting out of a car. Yep. He, they held the shot for, like, five seconds. You could see yes. there was a BK logo. There but, was a lot of product placement yeah. in this season. Yeah. It's probably because they're getting a lot more sponsors because it kind of took off after season one and two even more. But that was so... So blatant. It was. It was funny to me. It, it was, was really. Fu- funny. It was funny. It was also very clever because I also had this sort of very meta a- angle in terms of them discussing like, is the original better? Is the remake better? Yep. So it sort of gave you that new Coke ad, but yep. sort of spliced it into their story. I thought that oh, was yeah. fun. It was. It's ingenious. It, it really is. I just. Yeah. I found it funny. Yeah. Also, let's, now let's go on to some more plot points of the story here. We obviously, like they do every season, sort of split the characters up into different groupings for most of the year, and then they come together at the end to deal with the big crisis at the end. So, right. most of the year we had like. The party, like most of them together, we had Dustin off with the uh, Scooper Scoops troops. I still think the name was messed up. I think they should call my Scooper Trooper. I think that would have been a fun Super uh, Troopers joke. That's funny. Yeah, no, that actually would have been cool. Yeah, and then you had like the adults doing the adult things, and right. the Jonathan Nancy thing, which I think was one of the worst storyline of the entire season. But we'll get to that. But we did get decisions where I keep, especially the Dustin group, keep him away from the main kids because mm-hmm. that's nothing they've done before. With yeah. So I think what they what they try to portray is that everyone's kind of growing up. Um, yeah. You saw a little bit of conflict with Mike and Will as well. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they got to play D and D, man. Right. Will was Will just wanted to be kind of still kids, and yeah. he didn't have a girlfriend like like um, Mike did, and all that kind of stuff. So you see that kind of conflict of hey, we're getting older, we're not kids anymore. So you kind of see that character development. Um, but I also think that Dustin doing his own thing kind of opens up a lot of doors. Yeah. Um, I think that. It was key to have them split up and then everything connect together. So if you watch season three, there's the Hopper storyline with um, with Mike's mom. Oh, God. Oh, Will's mom. Excuse me. Yeah, um, yeah Mike's mom has no storyline ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, she had a storyline in the beginning of the season. She had it for about an episode. She was going to cheat on her husband with freaking Billy. Yeah. And, and, like, Billy gets taken over by what the the, the mind flare yeah. uh, before he can even get there. She didn't wind up showing up or whatever. But, like, it, that, that's literally like the first episode. I was, like, thrown for a loop. I'm like, wait a minute. Hang on. The first episode, you're telling me Mike's mom's going to cheat on her husband with Billy. And it saves her life not going there. She would have been dead. Oh, oh no. It, it, I completely agreed. But, like, that's the opener. And it... it Stranger Things has this great way of saying, hey, this is what the beginning of the episode is going to look like, but the end of the episode is going to be nothing yeah. compared to the beginning of the episode. Same thing with the season. The beginning of the season is going to be nothing compared to what the end of the season is going to be like. It, Stranger Things has this great way of saying, "You're like, I'm always saying what's going to happen next. Like, They always have a great way of... of of giving cliffhangers, but it's cliffhangers where you want to just sit there and watch another episode. Sometimes you watch cliffhanger like, oh yeah, I wonder. This, you're so invested in it, you're like, no, no, I want to know now what happened to Billy when he was trying to go and do adult things with yeah. Mike's mom, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, Dustin going off on his own, sorry, we we'll yep. come back, yep. going off on his own to be with Steve and Robin, the Hopper storyline, the Mike 11 storyline, all of that coming together at the end was a great, in my opinion, great way to do the season. Yeah, I think it's going to set up Dustin to be more independent in seasons to come, uh, and I think you're going to see Steve, Robin, and Dustin be like a team more. Yeah, um, they may try to keep the character development going for season four, where like they're really not hanging out that much, especially because Will, Jonathan, Eleven move away. So it, it's going to be very interesting. Um, but I, I liked it. I liked it. Everyone had their own little thing they were doing, and no one really knew what was happening with each other until the end. Yeah. Yeah, I also think they, they – this is the thing Stranger Things likes to do a lot, that they find one thing from the previous year that works. They sort of just go all in. I, like last season two, Stephen Dustin was so unexpectedly popular. They said, you know what? Our whole season is Stephen Dustin this year. After season one, I thought Stephen was not going to be in the show anymore because yeah. I was like, what What point? What yeah. is there? Nancy doesn't want to be with him. She's with Jonathan now. Like, what, what is the point? He became such a dork, yeah. if you think about it, right? He became such a cool dork. Like, I, I think my two favorite characters is Stephen and Hopper. Yeah. Those are, those are my favorite characters in Stranger Things, and my girlfriend argues with me all the time. Oh, it's a love, whatever. But... Steve's character development and even Hopper's in this season is is such a huge leap between seasons one and two, and then season three he takes like another jump. It, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. it's a lot. And 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 Stranger Things has a has a way of having these unexpected people like Bob, Bob dying in season two. If you haven't seen season two, spoiler alert. Sorry. Like, where did that come from? Why did Bob have to die? Out of all the people, Bob, yeah, like Joyce's boyfriend, like why do we need that? I have, so, I have issues with how Bob died, by the way. They gave him such a horrible death because he looked like such an idiot when he died because he was just sitting there like, I did it, and then he gets like demolished by a well, bunch because of Bob, because Bob was also a little dorky too. Yeah. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like this cool guy with a shotgun on his back going like, I saved the day. You know, he's yeah. like this guy who just got roped in because yeah. his girlfriend's son is still possessed, possessed yeah. by this thing, and you know, it, I. 
I don't even know what to say more about it. Like it's yeah. just that's the way it is. It's amazing. There's really not more much more analysis that goes with it. Yeah, and I love the moment too when like Dustin was early in the year. He's like, you never win a fight. You always get your butt kicked by somebody, whether it's Jonathan yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or Billy. And then he finally wins the fight. Dustin's like, dude, you want to fight? And then he gets captured by the <laughs> yeah. Russians yeah. and gets his uh, butt kicked again. Yeah. I mean, it's it. Yeah, no, he's it. He's connected with the other characters in a way that I didn't think he would because Nancy didn't want to yep. be his girlfriend after yep. you know halfway through season one. So yeah. it's I'm I'm glad that they they worked him into the script. Yeah, let's go to the villain of the year. The mind the mind flayer returns, but we have a different version of the mind flayer. He possesses Billy, and then sort of Billy uses is possesses other humans. They sort of make I call it I call it the goo flayer sort of at the end, where he's basically he possesses all these all these humans, and they all sort of like dissolve into goo and become like a big meat puzzle yep. like mind flare. So what'd you think of that monster? So so for those who haven't seen it and want the spoiler, the mind flare looks exactly like the picture that that yep. uh, Will was drawing in season two, what he's seeing in the yeah. sky. It's not that humongous, but it's a it's a it's a big version, but a smaller version of that. Um so they stay true to form with that. This is the problem I had with season three. The mind flare is supposed to be this like big thing like hey i'm worse than these demi dogs and demi gorgons yeah. and all these kind of things they he like makes an army and i guess the build up to what actually happens is is kind of like you built it up for that yeah you know it was like kind of disappointing they build it up where this mind flare takes over billy billy starts taking over other people so that they're all connected as this one kind of mind flare uh army army right exactly I'm thinking that it's going to turn to Day Z, and all these people are going to attack Eleven in them yeah. with the Mind Flare, right? Yeah. What happens is, like you said, the Mind Flare says, okay, it's time for me to get big, and they come waltzing into this warehouse where this guy has been hiding, this Mind Flare, and they just literally start dissolving and like combining with the Mind Flare to make him bigger. Yeah. Um, to, to make this thing bigger, so it, it, he, it, it, it yeah. I'll give you, I don't know if you. I'll give you a video. And the only first. one, and the only one he doesn't call is Billy. Yeah, because which which makes no sense to me. If you're calling everyone else, why is Billy so special? Well, one plot armor, of course. <laughs> but like, if you if you want to talk about plot holes, you want to talk about why it was lacking. Why is Billy the like? Is Billy the only one because they needed him for the ending, or is there guess, a reason? My guess would be he was the first one, so that they, he knows the most. So basically, if he needed to get more people, he'll go get more people. For was the he the player. first one though? The first one of this year, he got infected. But was he the first one? The rats were already acting weird. Yeah, before. but that's everyone with a rat that opposed to a, person, a human man who can actually get around. And Billy's got pretty jacked, so he can probably do a lot of things. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I. Obviously, it's not explained. That's why we're having this yeah. conversation now. Um, but my my biggest problem was at the end they get this mind flare. Find Billy and the mind flare find the gang all together, Hopper and all of them at the mall, and then the kids have to fend off this mind flare. And it's just like let's just throw fireworks at it for a half an hour. <laughs> like, it's all right, yeah, it distracted him and it, it it distracted it, and then when Hopper finally closes the gate, it dies, and it's like all right. The part where Billy saves Eleven's cool. Like, you see that development. You see why Billy is the way he is, and he gets taken over. It's terrible. He dies. Fine. Boom. But, like, Eleven's been using her powers the entire time in Season 3, so she's shot. Like, she's completely shot. She can't even fight at the end of Season 3. So, it's like, all right, you built this whole season up about this army and this mind flare. And it's like, we're going to shoot them with fireworks. And then it just dies because we decided to close the gate. Like, yeah. there should have been more, like, Eleven should have done, like, one more big boom and thrown the thing 80 miles away. And then, like, I don't know. It, 
there was little fight scenes too yeah. that she did it, yeah. and it was she looked like a complete you know awesome person. I you know I'd use the 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 bad, bar rated badass. Yeah. There you go, badass. All right, I didn't know we could say it here. Yeah. Um, but it it, it just so, it was such a build up for like for that. Yeah, it bothered me. That's why I don't think it should get the A plus. Like it's just little like minute things. Um, but the ending with Hopper was phenomenal, yeah. and yeah. and uh, yeah. Yeah, in terms of the mind flare, I do feel like I was just pointing that direction as well. I thought for sure that the the zombie army thing would have been fun. It would have been cool. Can you imagine like a Daisy situation where just like 100,000, not 100,000, that's insane. Right. Let's say 200 people like rush the mall yeah. with the mind flare like being like the head guy. Like that would have been sick. Yeah, instead, like I don't know if you ever played, did you play Sonic Adventure back in the day on the Dreamcast? No, I didn't have Dreamcast. Yeah, so like there was a character. My first, my yeah. first console was yeah. a Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, so like basically there was this monster in the Sonic Adventure game called Chaos, where like it starts out this pile of is this blue puddle of like goo, and then like as it gets more stuff, it gets like bigger and bigger. That's sort of what happened with the Mind Flare. But you know what would have been a cool storyline instead of the Mind Flare calling these people to just yeah. kind of single file die. Yeah, right. Have these this army rush them all, and when eleven of them kill them all. Then they start to go back into the mind flare, and then the mind flare takes care yeah. of business, right? Yeah. That would have been a cooler storyline, yeah. in my opinion, instead of just like, okay, single file, next, who's next? Boom, you're goo, next, who's yeah. it, it? You could have done a lot more. Granted, yeah. it would have it would have made the runtime maybe ten minutes longer, but like I said with Avengers Endgame, you're already at an hour and fifteen, making an hour twenty five. Yeah, why not? For the last episode, I mean, I, at that point, who cares? It's not like people are not going to watch it. They'll be like, "Oh, minute twenty-five. I'm not watching this. It's yeah. the last episode. They're going to watch it." Yeah. So make it the minute twenty-five. Make a different ending, and that bumps my grade up. But overall, strong season. Yeah, I, I think it was good. The finale, I think was. I think the 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 fight seems a little underwhelming, but I think the ending with the Hopper letter. I mean, that was just like perfect. Like, yeah. And I have a clip of that that I want to play. I, oh yeah. I, it's way too long to play the entire thing, but yeah. I pulled the ending of it. So. Yeah. So you know what? Keep on growing up, kid. Don't let me stop you. Make mistakes. Learn from them. And when life hurts you, because it will, remember the hurt. The hurt is good. It means you're out of that cave. But please, if you don't mind, for the sake of your poor old dad, keep the door open three inches. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you when you're watching like that. That like hit all the feels when he was that, reading that letter. That is phenomenal writing, and Great. I saw a couple people yeah. say like, "Hey, Game of Thrones, that's how you end the season." Yeah, like they throw a little, threw a little shade at Game of Thrones, but I think from what happened. So people don't know Hopper dies, or we're assuming he dies. He dies um, from closing the gate because the the I don't know. I like to call it the honey I shrunk the kids laser. Yeah, like you know you know that thing where the, yeah. he, the, he built in his ba- his attic or whatever. Like yeah. it almost looks like that. That's opening this gate. Um, when that thing explodes, you don't see him anymore. Joyce is crying. You don't really hear anything about. And they find the letter that that Hopper was writing to talk to Mike Eleven and, and Mike. Mike about, like, saying, hey, like, you guys are... Boundaries. Right. Give me some boundaries because they're in a relationship and all that kind of stuff. So, um, phenomenal way to end the season. I think that redeemed the fight scene a little bit for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and someone... 
someone brought this up. Uh, one of my colleagues, Tyreek, I want to give him a shout out because he was going to listen to the podcast. He brought up um, something that I found interesting. Like, why did Eleven have to go with them? Why couldn't she live with Mike? And, and I was kind of saying to him, like, maybe it, like, opens up the theory of they're not together anymore. He brought up the theory that she's going to meet um, her siblings because they're not there, you know, different things like that. But I, it, it is it is another question. Like, why couldn't she just stayed with Mike? Like, Well, I, I have a theory on that one, by the way. Can I do go ahead. No, so, please. Yeah. I, my theory is that throughout this show, I mean, throughout the entire free season of the show, like, like she's been looking for, like, a parental figure because, like, she thought she had it with Brenner in season one. She learns that he was just out to manipulate her and right. use her for her powers. Right. Season two, so she, she kind of, like, she, goes into she, that. She looks for her real mom. And yeah. She, and then she ends up with Hopper. And then after Hopper dies, like, who is the closest to parental figure for her? Joyce. It's not Karen Wheeler. She's not. She's yeah, like no, zero, zero that, after Karen Wheeler. So. You, you know, I didn't think of that. That is a good That is a good way of putting it. I mean, it, you're right. Joyce is the next best thing. But, you know, you would think she would try to stay with Mike and, and – there's also a connection also with Will where they have to share a trauma. They've both been in the upside down and yeah. George understands it better. Yeah. So like Karen, yeah, no, it's a good – listen, it's, it's a great have, way to look at it because yeah. I didn't think of it that way because I was having a conversation yeah. before I came over here. I was like – and I was trying to go back and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's probably because they want to set up the fourth seed whatever. But like obviously that's so much better than what I told them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking they're just worried about plot, you yeah. know, the plot and the storyline of four yeah. and they have to be separated or whatever. So – um, no, that's that's actually a great way of looking at it. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, because, I mean, what's Karen Wheeler going to offer 11, really? It's like, yeah, hey, but, have some egos. Well, well, <laughs> well, well, well the the uh, the point that Tyreek was trying to make was that, you know, Mike's there. Yeah. That's the love interest of 11. I mean, yeah, they broke up in the middle of the season, then she, she they got back together, I guess. It's not really official, but you kind of, like, know they're yeah. okay or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, but... If you don't mind me jumping to this, yes, I don't think Hopper's dead. Yeah, I don't think he is either. Uh, if you watch after the ending scene, the credits, if you will, the, 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 um, the mid credit scene, mid mid credit scene, uh, the Russians are passing this this like they're like almost like in a prison um, or a dungeon, if you will, yeah. and um, they're passing a bunch of cells and they're talking like, who should we use next? And the guy says, not the American. Yeah. So we're like, all right, what American is left? That they could have captured, like they didn't capture that crazy dude that was helping. Murray. Yeah. That, so, what other American? Also, they don't show Hopper dying. No. So the the Stranger Things has no problem showing people die. I mean, no matter how gruesome it is, you will see someone die. Bob, like Bob, uh, Bob, Billy, Billy it, just everyone. Uh, Nancy's friend. Oh, Barb. what's her name? Barb. Justice she, for Barb. The, you see her body yeah. in the upside. It's gross. Like they have no problem showing that, but for some reason. Because Hopper's dying, you don't show it. So I think Hopper's still alive, and I think he's the American in the prison. That, right, that's in the prison. Tyreek also had a great idea that maybe he hopped into the gate before uh, it. Yeah, maybe and it, they because the because the Russians in the mid credit scene they have a demi dog. Yeah, they have something from the yeah, yeah. demi gorgon from the upside down. So obviously they were able to get something a certain way. So he made a good point of maybe he hopped he, the upside down. Right, he hopped into the gate and he was able to return through the Russians being able to open the yeah. gate again and and he got captured. Yeah, um, but. Yeah. yeah, I think he's still alive. I agree on that. Number one comic rules, unless they show you the body, he's not dead, which is... But that's what I'm saying. Like, Stranger Things had no problem showing Barb decaying in the Upside Down, yeah. but yet we can't see Hopper disintegrate. I mean, yeah, it's like Bob got mutilated. Yeah. 
It's like it's like perfect. It's like the comic rules. Like I mean, Captain Captain America uh, Winter Soldier did a great job. They showed you Nick Fury's body, and then he wasn't actually dead. Like that's a great way to break the rule. But like, right? That's one thing. And number two, before we move on, I want to point out that I think Susie's responsible for two murders because like literally like because she, she was so jealous of Dustin not calling her and making him wait to do the dead running story to get the code. That delays him enough where. Hopper and Joyce cannot turn the gate, so turn the keys, because remember, he gets attacked by the Russian on three. So so, so you're going to indirectly blame Susie for, so, for people who passed away or, or Susie, got killed? Susie gets <laughs> Hopper's blood and Billy's <laughs> blood on her hands. Yeah, but if Hopper didn't die, there's no blood on her hands for that. Billy, maybe. Yeah. Well, Billy was... I mean, you kind of know Billy's a goner from the beginning. Once he got taken over by that that yeah. mind flare, you kind of know. All right, he's probably not going to... Either he's going to end up like Will, where yeah. he's never the same again, or he's probably going to die. So, but that <laughs> you get a little Susie in her in her in her her room singing with Dustin. You're gonna blame her. That that song for people who don't know, like they're in the middle of the most important part of the scene, like, like the import most important. Like Hopper's waiting for this code. They're waiting for Plank's constant. Literally, the other crew characters are driving away from the monster. Oh my, yeah, they're like they're trying to like evade, and they're singing this never-ending story. <laughs> I. It was like the funniest season ever because it's like stuff that shouldn't be funny made me laugh. Yep. They need Planks constant, and she's just being like, no, you haven't spoke to me. We need to sing. And she's like, not now. We'll sing later. Please give me Planks constant. So he has to like in front of everyone over this radio sing, and Hopper's hearing it. Steve's hearing it. The rest uh, of the card the rest of The rest of the – yeah. Oh, man. It, that's why it's a great scene. I am so mad that iTunes or the people that released the soundtrack did that thing where like you need to buy the album to get that song. Yeah. I'm sure you can get it on Spotify, but like people that just want that song need to spend twelve ninety nine on the album just to get it. It's so funny. Yeah. Let's move on real quick. Let's do a couple of uh things here. So which of the new characters do you like the best? The new characters? Yeah. Like the I'll, I'll, like the new regulars like Erica, Robin, like Alexi. I like the chemistry between Robin and Steve a lot. Yeah. Um but can I say Hopper? Because I feel like he's new. Like, I don't... Like, his character is the same, but he acts... He's, like, so over the edge now. Yeah. Like, he, like, literally beat the crap out of the mayor yeah. to get answers. Like, yeah, he was always that edgy guy, but, like, he really evolved. If you want to talk about brand new, yeah. um, you know, I think that the... I mean, it's hard. Like, I, I like the... Si what was his name? Murray? Uh like that's the, the scientist who died. Yeah, no, oh, not, not the scientist. Oh. The guy who uh, helped. Uh, um, well, Murray was in season two too. Like Murray. Yes. Also, yes. Yeah, yeah, but but he was the one that helped translate. Yes, I I liked his character. I think he was cool in it. I just I don't know. I don't know. Like I I didn't really like the sister. I didn't like how she was so like Erica. Yeah, I didn't like Erica that much. Like I, she was important. Like don't get me wrong, but she I found her so annoying. Yeah, Erica, I feel like with all those things, like with the Steve and... and, yeah. and I'll go with and, Robin. Yeah. I'll go with Robin because Robin was like, had nothing to do with anything. And she's yeah. like, oh, I want to help. And she she cracks this Russian code in yeah. like a day, Yeah, right? So I, I like Robin because I think her and Steve, they may be a team Yeah, uh, later on. Not love interest because we find out that she's not into men. Yeah. But, you know, they, they have really good chemistry in the show and also just character-wise, so... Yeah, I think for sure. I like I I first of all, poor after Alexi, I think joins the Barb and Bob club as like beloved characters to, to brutally die in a season because Alexi was fantastic. I love that. Guy. It was it was <laughs> it was a good it was a good uh, role. Yeah. Um, I love how Hopper was so convinced he wasn't going to drive away. Then he started driving away. Joyce is like, yeah, he started driving away. Hopper's <laughs> like, oh god, he kind of see it in his face like I messed up, but he finally does yeah. come back. Yeah. Hopper was right. He was look. 
Every character had a role. Yeah. No matter how much I liked them, no matter how much I disliked them, they had a role. If they weren't in season three, it wouldn't have made as much sense. Yeah. There were still some plot things lacking. Like I said, why was Billy the only one that didn't get attracted by the Mind Flare to go back? Why was that last scene not coordinated, like I said, do like a daisy thing, and then everyone gets sucked up into the Mind Flare? You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. All right. All right, let's look real quick before we before we bash Eric completely. I gotta give her a shout out for giving us a great education on capitalism. Okay. You know what I love most about this country? Capitalism. Do you know what capitalism is? Yeah. Yeah. It means this is a free market system, which means people get paid for their services depending on how valuable their contributions are. And it seems to me, my ability to fit into that little bit is very, very valuable to you all. So, you want my help? This USS Butterscotch better be the first of many. And I'm talking free ice cream for life. Definitely a nerd. The music in the back (laughs) made it so much better, right? Yeah, no, she, uh, that's funny that you said that because the entire season they're trying to convince her that she's a nerd. She's like, no, I'm not. Meanwhile, she's doing that. So, um, yeah, so she's definitely a nerd. Yeah, like I said, she's she's pivotal. I mean, she's the one that fits in the vent, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is all all important. I just found her annoying. Yeah. Like I was like, oh my god, shut up. We get it. Like you want ice cream, just get in the vent. You know. It's... So would you say she's the worst character of the season? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know who was really useless? Mike's mom. Like, <laughs> they, they, like, like, not to be rude about the character, but like. What? Like, okay, like, yeah, you made the plan to cheat on your husband, and that's why Billy got in the car, and he got hit by whatever on the road, and that's why he got attracted by the Mind Flare. It's important that way. But, like, you're in the first season sitting by a uh, excuse me, the first episode sitting by a pool. You're attracted to Billy. You decide not to cheat on your husband. So, good for you. You shouldn't yeah. cheat on your husband. And now he's like a Mind Flare dude. Like, okay, you started it, but the rest of the season, she's really... She, she all she does the rest of the year is give advice to Nancy once, and then she like once she's like she's like oh your power you know don't worry about them you can do things on your own like which is which is a great scene too because Nancy has this internal conflict with Jonathan now because yeah. Jonathan feels like hey we got jobs and now we lost them because you don't have to worry about paying for school I do all this yeah. kind of stuff so there was that internal conflict so she was important there but like again if she wasn't in it and Billy was just driving down the road after work one day you could have just done it that way like yeah. you didn't have to be hey I'm gonna go cheat on my husband or hey I'm a try you know it was just yeah. a weird. Like, I feel like it was filler. Like, they needed something yeah. for a first episode. Yeah. So, she was probably the most useless character, um, but I didn't hate her as much as I did. Erica. Erica. Yeah. yeah, I think my my worst character is a tie between the two buyers, brother, because Will, this season, he was good in season two. This year, he's just basically, like, the Mind Flayer radar, because basically every scene he was saying is like, yeah. it's, no, it, you're right. it's, it's cold, it's coming, but yeah. I think Jonathan is the worst offender this season, because, like... What exactly did he do other than be Nancy's sidekick this season? No, nothing. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. His, his I, I put her. I put him in the same rank as as um. Oh man, I I forgot her name already. Karen. Karen. Thank yeah. you. I yeah. was gonna say Mrs. Wheeler because that's what Billy calls her. All, uh, all Jonathan does is really complain that when Nancy runs right. in the dark room and ruins his right. photos, he he does <laughs> yeah. get beaten up pretty bad and tries to yeah. save Nancy and stuff. So he does help a little bit. So he's. I don't want to put him in the same tier. He also as Karen, but. He's only like one step up when it comes to the full season. Yeah, he also in certain episodes he's huge. He also butchers the thing. He's trying to pull the thing off Eleven's leg. He got so bad, Eleven had to do it uh, herself. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like like I said, you could show that, but you can't show Hopper dying. That's why I don't think he's dead. Yeah, so I think best character of the season. I think for sure. I I think I, I agree with you. I think it's Hopper. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. His storyline was touched... Everyone's storyline was touched upon in each episode, right? But, like, he was such a driving force. Yeah. Like, he's trying to get Joyce to go on a date with him. He's trying to get Eleven to stop being so, like, clingy or, like, Mike, you know, like, all that, like, taking too, stuff too fast and too seriously. You know, he's trying to get the mayor to tell him. So, it's... it's he's, he's, he's key. He's absolutely key. All right, so last thing before we go, where yeah. do you think we're going for season four? Because as we saw, they split up. Hopper might be in a Russian prison. Uh, yeah, like, I... The buyers and Eleven moved. We still have some characters in Hawkins. So where do you think we're going here? So, like, after the first season, like, you see that the, he, that, that Will throws up that little piece of sludge yeah. that's from the, uh, that's from the, uh, the, the, the upside down. Then the end of second season, you, you kind of know something's still there because you still feel like you kind of know. This season, I, I don't know. Like, where do you go from here? Like, are you gonna send the kids to Russia to like help out Hopper? Like, what, what exactly? I don't know. Like, like you're asking me what's. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where they go with this. Maybe Eleven finds her siblings. Maybe she. This. This is what I mean. Like, I like this is the way Stranger Things is. Like, oh, we're just gonna show you a little bit. Like, hey, something's still going on, but. Don't worry. In two years, you'll find out. Like it, it's annoying because I don't want to wait two years. But they give you nothing. They give you everything, but they give you nothing at the same time. Yeah, my big prediction, I think, is we're not gonna get Eleven with her powers back right away. I think we're gonna wait like about half a season until we get her powers oh, back. I mean, she's shot. Yeah. I mean, she was using. I mean, Max was using her power. Like, I don't want to say Max was a user, but I feel like Max didn't really like get it. Yeah, Mike kind of did, but yeah. but Max was like, she knows her boundaries, which yeah, she did, but she also didn't because she didn't know when to stop. Yeah, so. It. She was shot. I think it's going to take her a while. She may not get her powers at all. Yeah. Because uh, it just it seems like she's trying so hard and nothing's happening. So it's not like she's tired. It's just it's just not working. So I don't know. That would not be good with Demidor Corgan still out there in Russia. Uh, but the, but this is the thing, right? <laughs> they give you everything, but then they give you nothing. Like yeah. you know, she has no powers. You know, they moved away. You know, the Demi Gorgon's still there. You know, they probably have Hopper. But like. It's just like, yeah, this is what we have. Wait two years, season four. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Pete, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, this was, this was a blast. Thank yeah. you, Mike. I appreciate it. Before I let you go, you already know how to follow you on social media and some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can follow there. me on Twitter at PJConstory29. I'm usually doing a lot of hockey stuff on there. Uh, I ran a poll the other day about the Rangers. So um, definitely give me a follow if you like to see um, a lot of retweets and a lot of stuff like that. I, I usually try to keep content up. All right, my last question. MCU, I know you're a big Marvel fan as well. Phase four was announced at Comic-Con. Any big excitement from that? No. No. I, I don't think so. The only thing that I'm like kind of excited to watch is the Black Widow origin story. Yeah. But it's like it's still part of phase ones through three for yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. she, cause since she, again, spoiler word, if you've never seen Avengers, uh, you know, wee-woo-wee-woo, uh, Black Widow dies yeah. in Avengers Endgame. The Blu-ray comes out in like a week. If you yeah. haven't seen it, th- there's a problem. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> No, nothing nothing really that like caught my eye. Yeah. Well, we're gonna talk about that next as John Stanko, our movie resident movie Craig. That's coming up right after this.
right, we are back on the Just Enjoy the Show episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast. We're talking some more movies this week. We had the big MCU Phase 4 announcement at Comic-Con a couple weeks ago. So much information there. It took me a lot of time to process it. So now I'm fully up to speed, I think. I don't know if I missed something. until they dropped so much information on us. But here to help us sort through this is our resident film critic on this podcast. Jonathan Stanko is back with us. John, the suburb of Stanko continues. <laughs> Mike, thanks for having me again. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't know if anyone can get fully caught up on all things Marvel. It's constantly evolving. But there was a ton of Comic-Con for sure. Yeah, there was a ton of Comic-Con for sure, including the Phase 4 official lineup was revealed on there. We were sitting there after Spider-Man wondering what they're going to announce this in a couple of weeks. What's going to happen? So here's what we have. We have five movies in Phase 4. Black Widow, The Eternals, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and Thor Love and Thunder. So those are the five movies. No Avengers, this one. No other Spider-Man. Just those are the five movies. We have five TV shows on the Disney Plus service as well. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. All these are rolling out within the next two years. With two movies and a show in 2020, three movies, four shows in 2021, John immediately shaking his head at that second statement. So we'll start right there. What bothers you the most right now? It's just oversaturation. That's like, I'm sorry, not everything Marvel puts out is good. So why are you overloading the market with it? I'm just, that's just my take. I love original movies and original ideas. And I just think this is a little bit too much. And people are going to eventually fall out of love with it like they did the old Western I mean, everyone loves those movies. For two decades, they dominated the box office and the TV landscape, then they eventually died away. The same thing's going to happen to comic book heroes. I don't know if we're reaching that peak point now. Yeah, I think it's more the shows the problem than the movie right now. Oh, trust me. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, looking at these shows, like, do any of them have any interest to you whatsoever? Uh, Let's see my thoughts here. One, I just have zero interest in. Let's just get the bad one off the bat first. WandaVision, yeah. I will not watch a second of that. Yeah. I have zero desire to watch Vision, who was the most uncharismatic and dull figure in the Avengers movies, yeah. and then watch Scarlet Witch, who is a badass character, and they if they make her a badass, and not just some lovable, love-lusting female who's desperate to be with her man, and they actually make her a badass character, I will watch that show. Maybe. But I have no faith that they're going to do that because they're going to put her with Vision. It's going to be a little romantic, romancing with the stone, traveling through the world and solving problems. I have no desire to watch two incredibly boring characters when they're with each other. Yeah, I mean, these shows, the problem I have with this concept is the fact that, like, these are shows I just think in nature were not good enough concepts he made the movies. And they're saying, you know what, we'll put Marvel content on Disney+, Plus that way we can sell mm-hmm. the service. Which, to me, I don't think that's a good way to be doing business. I feel like if you have a good story... Make it a good story. Don't just, you know, put it out there for the sake of saying, oh, it's all connected. It's the MCU. You need to watch this. So you need to buy the service. Well, are all the shows going to be connected to the giant MCU universe? Because, like, yeah. the show What If. Yeah. That is a show that's animated. taking. Yeah, it's animated. And it's taking things that happen in the MCU as we know it, but then twisting it on their head. Yeah. So it's kind of like a Twilight Zone for the Marvel Universe. Of the five shows on Disney+, Plus, this is the one I'm most interested in. Because yeah. I don't think it has any really connected dots to everything bigger happening around it. Yeah. It's going to be its own little isolated adventure that's different and unique enough where it's going to capture my attention more so than anyone else. Yeah, yeah, I don't know for sure. But, I mean, they put it in the official announcement. I assume that they all are connected to the main thread somehow. It's like it's not like Aliens of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they sort of let it go on its own path years ago. They forgot the Netflix shows. They have stuff on a couple other services they don't really pay too much attention to. Sorry from I think, dropping the name-dropping the incident as sort of the mm-hmm. code word for the Battle of New York and Avengers 1. I don't think any shows are 
those shows really matter, but I feel like they're going to try and make these be important, which is why you're putting the movie stars in these. Well, there's no denying that Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to connect into the films. There's yep. no denying that. And I think same goes for Hawkeye as well. Yeah. Um, I really have low interest in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I didn't care for those characters in the movies. Not a huge fan. Hawkeye, I think if it was just Jeremy Renner's character, I'd be meh. But the fact that they're making it like a mentorship with Kate Bishop, who's like the heir to that kind of uh, that kind of Hawkeye throne, if you will, in a female version of it. I'm a little bit interested in that just because it's, again, something different. It's not focusing on a character that I already know and already have my opinion formed upon. Yeah. yeah. I just think I'm, I just think it's especially the problem with four shows in 2020, in addition to three movies. That's a lot of time you're asking people to set aside for comic book stuff when there's a lot of other things going on in, in the entertainment world. So like, yeah. And you, you assume 10 episodes per show, right? Yeah. An hour long each. That's 10 hours worth of entertainment we're, we're, per show. And we're guessing 10 because remember, Netflix was 13. Exactly. So you're guessing 10. That's, again, that's 10 hours per show. There's five shows. That's 50 hours. But even if you want to watch a show, that's a week-long commitment. A movie is at least two and a half hours, three hours max, and you know you're done. Yeah. With the show, you might have multiple seasons. It's just such a big commitment, and you're banking on the fact that people are big enough fans of these side characters, for the most part, in these in these TV shows. You're banking on the fact that fans want to watch them for extended periods of time in years to come. That's a big, big risk that Disney's taking, but obviously they have the confidence and they have the money to back it up. Yeah, let's go to the movies. I think it's the more interesting half of this announcement here. So we we'll start with the Black Widow one. I think I'm the one I'm most excited for of this this release. It's set in the post some information I learned over the course of the Comic Con. That's set post Captain America Civil War, which is not what I was expecting. I thought they go back further mm-hmm. to like the that infamous Budapest incident they referenced time and time again and never touched on. So it's still a flashback. What are you expecting out of this movie? I expect this to kind of be Atomic Blonde-esque, yeah. if you will, but with more popular colors not set in dire Russia and or dire Europe where everything is gray and blue. Um, I think Scarlett Johansson will do fine in this role. She knows the character well. I'm intrigued by the director, Kate Shartland, who in her short IMDb list, all the movies she's made and shorts she's made have been centered around a very prominent female dominant lead who's very confident in herself for the most part. So that's a very curious directing choice. Again, putting that female lead and that feminism out there that females can kick ass as well. So very curious with that uh, with that director's choice. I'm a big fan of that. My thing is, Mike, are you a fan of going back to a time where we've already passed in Endgame. Like, Endgame was such a definitive endpoint. Do you want to go back and revisit a time where you know you know the consequences already? Like, what is, excuse pardon the pun, the Endgame yeah. of this Black Widow movie when you know the end result years after? I feel like the only reason you're going back there is that it has to have something and it's going to tie you forward to the future. I feel like that's the only reason why you're going back to that point. Like, maybe one of these side characters in the movie, like maybe the David Harbour character comes important. Like, maybe somebody else in it is important. Like, I think that they said there's a second character. I forget who's playing her, but like, we're supposed to be sort of like a sister-like character to uh, uh, Romanoff's character. So maybe like, maybe she becomes the new Black Widow. Maybe that's something that emerges in this, and she takes the mantle up after Endgame. So maybe that's something I could see as being a possibility. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. That that part of it scares me a little bit. I am excited for this more so than some of the other movies on this list because I think ScarJo's a fantastic actress, and when she's given her own shot, she'll shine. Uh, again, the directing choice is really intriguing. You just need to sell me on the stakes. And tell me that I'm going to be invested in the story, and it's not just about the character that people love. Um, and it's, I, I hope that it ties in some way to the giant overall universe, and it's not just a standstill story, because otherwise I feel myself going to be a little bit disconnected from it. I feel like that's what we need to, to see that first trailer, get a yes. sense of where we're going yes. with it. We also need trailers, I think, on these next two ones here, the two new projects here, Shang-Chi and The Eternals. Like, Which one intrigues you more? Oh, by far The Eternals. It's yeah. not even remotely close. The, the stakes for The Eternals 
I mean, these people are known as for creating the the universe, Earth, and creating like the rise of civilizations. That's what these characters are. Yeah. So the stakes for them to do something grand is so high. Though I think also with this movie, the floor for it being awful is very, very low. Yeah. I think this movie could either rise up or pummel down to the ground. So it's going to be very intriguing to see what happens. But that's why I'm interested about it because it's a huge gamble, an absolutely huge gamble. I think Shang-Chi... Uh, that movie's going to make a bajillion dollars in China regardless. Yeah. So even if it's not that good of a movie, it's still going to make a ton of money. The Eternals, if it's not a good movie, it's a new premise. And if people don't buy in like they did the first Guardians in the Galaxy, it might not make the money. It might not be the financial success that Disney and that Marvel want. So it might be a one and done, possibly. Well, the thing is, it might be a one and done because there's so many people attached to this movie, like this really, really high-end actors and actresses, that yeah. it might just be one and done to set something up down the road, maybe yeah. develop the master villain who maybe in the end defeats the Eternals and then was roaming space and for people who don't know who eventually come back. Just me hypothesizing here. Yeah. But very, very curious. You got Richard Madden. You got Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Camille Nanjani, people who know from movies and from TV coming now together for this movie. I love the stakes of the Eternals. That's why I'm buying into it. Yeah. As far as Chang Chi goes, I mean, I was about ready to pass it. I found one interesting line in the, I think, Entertainment Weekly article that says that the villain for that movie is the actual Mandarin. Is the actual Mandarin, yes. Not the fake Mandarin we saw in Iron Man 3 when they had, I think, uh, Ben, was it Ben Kingsley was yes. playing the actor version yep. of him? So, like, the imposter, yeah. And they hinted in one of those, like, I've read the DVD extras, what they were called then, but, like, they had they hinted that the real one was out there. Now we're actually going to get to see this guy after about, like, a decade of, like, teasing. So I think that's interesting. It is interesting. Um, I think this movie is going, it's going to take that manner. It's obviously going to focus a lot on the Oriental. It's going to try and be a cultural breakthrough like Black Panther was. Whether or not you think Black Panther was a great movie, a decent movie, or, or whatever you think of it, there's no denying that it made a cultural impact, and it was huge success in that way. I think that they're going to try and make the same way, make this Shang-Chi movie the same thing with that cultural impact. Yeah, the thing that terrifies me, though, is like I just feel like they had such a missed opportunity with Iron Fist where I thought this could have been the same kind of movie, but they decided to burn it on a terrible actor on a bad Netflix mm -hmm. show. I hope they get it right this time. I feel like that they, we don't really have this sort of like kung fu hero yet in the in the uh, this karate fighting hero in the Marvel. Well, universe. how kung fu will they go? That's also a question because yeah. you can go stylized as the like hidden dragon, um, yeah. or you could stay more a little bit more like grounded, like a John Wick, where there's a yeah. lot of kung fu fighting, but yeah. it's still a little bit more grounded reality. Yeah. So be curious to see how far they go, yeah. uh, in, in that kung fu atmosphere. Yeah, really interesting. Another interesting one. We've been waiting for a while for the Doctor Strange sequel. It's coming now. Doctor Strange, it's how they're getting the multiverse. We hinted at it in Spider-Man. Now it's like it's coming. And then we get a big role for Scarlet Witch in this movie, who I think this would be a better spot for him than the actual Scarlet Witch show. So Yes, I completely agree with you here. Yeah. This is where if they can make her as a dominant person in this movie, then I'll be more invested in the show. Yeah. This is I'm excited for this one because I believe it's going to be a horror movie. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's going to be rooted in horror and scariness, which is, again, different, which is why I'm excited. It's not going to be the run and mill of the same thing. And obviously the stakes for it are big if it's going to create the multiverse. So it's a different tone of movie and a chance to improve upon a character who I think is incredibly boring. Yeah. Doctor Strange, I think, is what it is. Everyone likes Benedict Cumberbatch. He basically has a 100% approval rating amongst fans. He, I think, this might be a hot take, but amongst these, the Avengers, the Infinity War, and Endgame movies... No character rose higher in stock than Doctor Strange. Yeah. Maybe Thor, but I think Doctor Strange is a side character, not one of the main five, if you yeah. will. His stock rose higher than anyone else. Now this is a chance to capitalize on it. 
Yeah, I feel like Doctor Strange. I feel like we have elements with him we can't don't really go into the other one. We have the magic side, we have the mystical mm-hmm. side. I feel like, and I feel like he's sort of very like high up, like kind of cocky. We want to see something actually give him a scare because it doesn't really feel like he hasn't had one in one of these movies yet. Yeah, no, I would agree that you know what that's a great point. Humble him a little bit, yeah. make a baddie where he's humbled a little bit. His solo movie was okay until the very end. I did not like the last twenty five minutes. Yeah. Um, but listen, he was fantastic in in Infinity War and Endgame. So give him a chance here. And again, I cannot say the horror movie aspect of this. I am so excited for it. Make me scared. Make this is a great unique idea. Yeah. Also announced Thor four titled Thor Love and Thunder, and I predicted Thor four on the Avengers podcast that came to pass. Sandra Rosa predicted the female Thor. That is also going to come to pass in the form of Natalie Portman coming back to the franchise as Jane Foster, coming female Thor. So I think that was the biggest curveball of the entire session, is the fact that she's coming back and being female Thor. I, I It's not the curveball of the entire session, but it was definitely a curveball. It yeah. made you swing and a miss. It was the ball in the dirt, and you went down 0-2 with this yeah. pitch. That's how big of a curveball it was. Um, I love the idea of a female Thor. I love it. I don't know if I love Natalie Portman coming back. Yeah. Um, I obviously... When they put her in Endgame, they were hinting at something that not everybody knew about. Yeah. So they put her face back on the screen and people knew about it again. I Part of me wishes that they just brought in a new actress and they gave somebody else a chance to rise up in the Marvel Universe and make a name for herself. Yeah. But people know Natalie Portman, so they're excited about it. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about Natalie Portman being back? That character, Jane Foster, being back? I was surprised this is the direction they took with it. I knew they were going to have back uh, Hensworth and Tessa Thompson as well. But, like, I wonder, are we setting up here? Is this going to be where Hensworth exits here? That they're going to have Natalie Portman be Thor going forward. So I wonder if that's what we're setting up here. I think I think that's where they're eventually setting up. Yeah. yeah. I think eventually these actors do have to move on. Chris Pine just did it. Uh, sorry, Chris Evans, not Chris Pine. Excuse yeah. me. He just did it from Captain America. So I think eventually the Hemsworth is going to want to move forward away from Avengers and have his own little other movie career. Yeah. So I think this is a good chance to do it. Um, what I do love about this, though, is uh, Tiki Waititi. I don't, can't say his yeah. name ever. Taika uh, Waititi. Taika Waititi. He's back as writer and director. And I love Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. It's my, one of my top two Marvel movies. So if this is back to rock star show-esque movie where just all the colors pop and it's just basically a rock concert with action yeah. for 100 minutes, I am all aboard. So I am very, very excited for this movie. And also, the logo yeah. of this movie is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic job of the direction team there. Yeah. I'm curious about what the title actually means in terms of, like, love and thunder. I wonder, like, because I remember, like, she was his love interest, uh, mm-hmm. Jane Foster, in the first one. Are we going back that route again, or are we doing, setting Thor off somewhere else? I don't know. I, you, I, couldn't, I can't give you the answers. Yeah. But, I mean, love and thunder, obviously thunder, you got the, the lightning god Thor, you bring the thunder aspect, yeah. and that makes sense. But, listen, I'm very, very excited for this movie. Of all the movies announced uh, in terms of Phase 4, this one I am most excited for, followed by Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. All right, let's go to phase. Obviously, they, that's the phase four. They also dropped some hints for what's coming afterwards. So a lot of things, like there's a lot of nuggets here. I try to get everything in here as best I could. They hinted Fantastic Four was coming, which we assume was going to be probably phase five at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, something with mutants he hinted at. I didn't say exactly what, but I think that's a little further down the road. Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, Guardians 3. We all know those are coming. Those are going to be at least 2022 or later. The big one, I think this is the curveball you're referring to. Mahershala Ali as Blade. So I'm assuming that's the one you're most thrilled about. Blade! Oh, I love this so much. I, uh, My cousin got me in love with movies. And this is one of the first movies, the ones with Wesley Snipes, where he said, you have to watch Blade and Blade 2. Yeah. They're awesome. 
and I watched it and I fell in love with it. When this came on the screen, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. It took me by complete and they got an Oscar worthy actor to play the role too with Mershaw Ali. This is so freaking cool. Yeah. This is a chance for Marvel to go dive dark, dive deep, make it like the daredevil of, of movies, make it dark, make it violent and make it exciting. I am all aboard for this, all aboard for Blade. Yeah. I think it's funny, too, because Mahershala Ali has been in the MCU before. I mean, he played a villain in the first season mm -hmm. of Luke Cage. He was there for about, like, I think half the season got killed off. And then yeah. now they're bringing him back to different characters. So I think it's interesting. It's the first time we've really seen a big double dip like that. Well, they're just it. they're yeah. showing that the, the TV shows on Netflix mean nothing. Yeah. By by casting Ali, these have nothing to do with the, with the overall universe. These are shows on their own. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. I am so excited for this. Just don't tone it down, Disney. Don't tone it down, Marvel. Be an R-rated movie like Blade deserves. Yeah. That, I'm excited about that one. I think of the other product, I feel like I'm most interested in. I feel like I feel like Captain Marvel, too. I feel like it's something big is going to happen there. I feel like they had such a good setup for the first one, and I feel like they need to make the stakes bigger. I feel like that, but I feel like that's where the Fury tease at the end of uh, Far From Home is going to pay off. I feel like it's in that movie where we're going to find out more about it. You need to raise the stakes for Captain Marvel because she's so powerful. Yeah. Like, she came in at the end of Endgame and wiped everything out, and she was all-powerful and saved the day. How do you humble her? Like we talked about Doctor Strange, how do you humble them and make them feel smaller than the task that's in front of them? Yeah. And that's very, very difficult to do with Captain Marvel, who basically is female Superman yeah. in terms of invulnerability and stuff like that, as I can't speak. So very, very interested to see what they do there. Again, I think that Captain Marvel 2 is the most important of the Phase 5 movies that they have to nail down and they have to get right in order to set the tone going moving forward. Yeah, Stuff that has not been announced, I don't think. They didn't announce when the next Avengers will be. I'm assuming it's going to be somewhere made towards the end of Phase 5. I don't think they announced a Spider-Man, uh, the third one. I, don't think, mm -hmm. I think that's probably coming somewhere down the pike, too. So a lot of stuff to keep an eye on down the road. We are back on the podcast with John Stanko. Just heard the amazing song, Top Gun, uh, The Danger Zone. Top Gun Maverick, the trailer dropped at Comic-Con, and Stanko is very excited about it. Inject this directly into my veins, Michael. <laughs> Inject it directly into my veins. Nobody knew this trailer was coming. So yeah. when it popped up on my Twitter, it was an, oh, my God, this is actually happening. Yeah. I immediately texted my cousin because we're both huge fans of the first Top Gun. And in the blog I did in my own blog, I did my 10-step action plan to watching this trailer. So yeah. if you'll indulge me, I'm just going to read off these short 10 steps sure. of, of what you it. should think about while watching this movie, watching this trailer. Step one, establish Maverick's badass attitude and ability to succeed at anything he sets his mind to. That's just the first 20 seconds of the trailer. Step two, give Maverick a clever one-liner to show that he's clever and that he's witty. Step three, get the adrenaline going. Just jets flying everywhere, <laughs> flying everywhere. Step four, oh my god, it's the song. The theme, the theme song. It's back. Mm -hmm. Step five, oh my god, is that the motorcycle? Oh my god, holy shit, Mike. It's the motorcycle. <laughs> Can the nostalgia get any higher? <laughs> Step six, smoldering John Ham 
staring out into the sun. The mandatory shirtless beach scene, which is obviously an homage to the first one as well. And then followed by Jennifer Connelly, don't forget about me, look. I mean, hard to, hard to pass that up. Step seven, another bar piano scene, like the original Top Gun. Yes, inject it into my veins. Step eight, badass shots of fighter planes doing fighter plane thing. Step nine, Tom Cruise standing heroically on the on a battleship staring out into space, staring out into the sea, imagining all the money that he's going to be making with this movie as it's <laughs> funneling into his pockets. And then step 10, one final one-liner from Maverick, denying the man and saying he's going to save the day. Michael, I am so excited for Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, we knew they were developing it. We just didn't know when it was coming. No, we had no idea when it was dropping. Yeah. Had no idea. But this touched on every single nostalgia vein in my body. It just it had me goosebumps right away. Oh, this trailer was perfect. I mean, at a Comic-Con where we had a lot of stuff happen. I mean, we have, like, Star Trek, about 75 projects out there. The MCU stuff happened. We had stuff from HBO, but, like... This, I think, was the biggest breakaway thing from Comic Con. Was like this was the biggest surprise, and I think the biggest, most popular thing was the Top Gun trailer. This and It Chapter Two, the yeah. It Chapter Two, the final trailer dropped, which I'm also yeah. super, super stoked for. Those two trailers, movie trailers, made by far the most noise of any of them dropped at Comic Con. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to see this. I mean, I, 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 I haven't watched Top Gun in a while, but like. That, that one that said, you know what, I got to go back. I got to go watch it again. You got to go watch it again. It's yeah. so deliciously yeah. 80. Oh, it's magical, Michael. It's magical. Yeah. And we see Wonder, because we talked about strange things earlier in the show at Pete Constantino. I wonder if we're going to get a Top Gun reference down the line with some of these seasons. Oh, in terms of uh, with Stranger Things? Yeah. Oh, they, they should. Yeah. It's a, you could do a classic The Need for Speed as them riding on their bikes. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Just throw that in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a fun one. I feel like the... Nostalgia train continues. This reboot may, I feel like it's never going to end. I mean, we had the Ghostbusters announcement, too. More details about the Ghostbusters 2020, which you are not a big fan of. No, I mean, the first Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters reboot with the all-female cast, I just don't think was a good movie. I yeah. think it was a worthy effort. I just don't think it was a good movie. Yeah. It was fine. It does not deserve a sequel or anything. In terms of this reboot revival phase... I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm just I'm more not a fan of sequels. I think there are too many sequels happening to franchises all over the place and reimaginings and how to continue a story because these movies just make money, Mike. The studios aren't going to stop making them when they're just bringing in the dollars. There are only, I think, three or four movies uh, in the box office, all-time grossing, that are original ideas. You have Avatar, Titanic, Furious 7, and I, or I think three that I think off the top of my head that are in top 10 all-time grossing that were original ideas that were not taken from a book or from something else. Yeah. So obviously, Furious 7 is also a sequel, yeah. and that's just building upon the Fast and Furious franchise. And then I believe there are six Avengers movies inside the top 10, which, again, you're all stealing from comic books. So, again, these movies are making money, and they're not all bad movies by any means, but I do I love originality. I love originality in movies. We have some directors who are just phenomenal at it. We have Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan, Darren Aronofsky, James Cameron. Those people are capable of original ideas and bringing them to life in fantastic ways. Also, shout out to A24 Studios. Phenomenal individual movies on their own right in terms of fantastic storytelling. I would love more of those, but these revivals and these reboots, they just keep on bringing in the dough. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious specifically about that Ghostbusters. I mean, the cast does not look bad. I mean, Paul Rudd, I think, would be good in it. The, well, Paul Rudd's good in everything. He's good in everything. I mean, he'll be good there. And I think they nailed a couple of child actors. Like, McKenna Grace, I feel like he's in everything right now. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, she's going to be – she's in that. They have Mike Wolf – like, uh, Finn Wolfhard from Stra – who plays Mike on Stranger Things. He's in that. Like, Carrie Coon is, like, their mom in the movie. Like, I feel like the cast is intriguing. It's, again, it comes down to, like, what's the story? Do we – are we going to do try and do the same thing we did with the 2016 Ghostbusters where we just sort of have the original actors just cameo and not be in the story and – 
I feel like that and they have such a tough act to because I feel like they've been trying to figure out that Ghostbusters three platform about like two decades now, and they have not come close to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that this movie it needs to trend a delicate line of being its own thing, but also paying homage to the original because it's such a classic. Yeah. I don't think the female Ghostbusters paid enough homage to the original. I think it tried being its own thing too much, and that kind of put people off from what already wasn't a great movie. So that's why the backlash went on to it. Um, Jason Reitman, uh, the director, has said that they're going to be paying homage to the original. And they're going to do it proper justice. And he's made some good movies on his own um, where he's been able to create his own little mark but also definitely have a little bit of the, of the motif of a certain aspect or thing that people like. For instance, Young Adult. He was a producer on Young Adult. You ever see Young Adult, Mike? I have not. Charlize Theron. He was a producer for it. Young Adult is about a woman who is awkwardly trying to continue her life but everyone else is growing up faster than she is and she doesn't want to grow up uh and it's a phenomenal movie and it's an original idea but also it was still relatable because everyone could relate to that character they need to do that with ghostbusters where everyone can relate back to the original story not too much where it's going to be overbearing but just enough where it could keep you coming back yeah like i remember like 2016 ghostbusters i think i think the bobby the most was the whole way they just i feel like bill murray just showed up there and make basically make fun of his involvement and exactly he, like, they basically threw him out of a building to kill yeah. him off and like that to me is like come on like yeah i know Bur- bill murray probably didn't want to be there but like let's can we do something better with him also like hemsworth in that movie was just he was a waste of space he was used i like he he was his comedic talent was not used properly in that movie either he's, he's a very funny guy as you've seen with thor and they didn't use him right again it's just not it's just not a great movie but I will give this one definitely a shot, for sure. Yeah. And I think the little 50-second teaser that they put out months ago now, months ago, yeah. was a really effective teaser, and it showed just enough of the back of the car yeah. showing that they're going to bring back the bring back the old mobile, yeah. if you will. So I'm excited for it. I'm definitely going to see it, though. Expectations are a bit tepid. Yeah. Let's go on to this HBO, which is, the other, I think, the other big winner at Comic-Con. They had two big uh, projects drop trailers, obviously. The new show, Watchmen. I mean, we had the movie about Watchmen back in, like, the, I think, like, 2009, 10 era. That was, am I have that date right to me? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I, I can look it up right now and double-check. But, yeah, Zack Snyder directed it. Yeah, and that was, yeah, that was okay. It was not, 2009. It was not not great. But now they have the Dan Lindelof-fronted uh, TV spinoff on HBO. And I saw the trailer. That looked pretty good. I This is my next Game of Thrones, Mike. This is the one I'm going to tune in every single day. It's on to watch it live. Yeah. I am actually a huge fan of the movie Watchmen by Zack Snyder. I think it's criminally underrated in terms of superhero movies. Um, there are definitely some things that, are, that aren't good, but it's so confident in what it is. I'm a big fan. This movie, Mike, it looks beautiful, and this is a, I think it's a direct sequel from the end of the graphic novel slash the movie. I think this has taken a lot of hints from the movie as well. So I'm, I'm so curious to see what they do with it. And Lindelof is a great track record too. I mean, he's the guy behind Lost, so like and the leftovers and as leftover, well, and the leftovers. I mean, he knows what he's doing, so I have faith that he will put a good product out there. Yeah, and I mean, in in the the new trailer, they showed that certain aspects from the graphic novel are coming back. You have the Owl Ship coming back. You have the Rorschach Brigade. It's a lot. It's going to be a lot of like a. Uh, it's going to be police versus criminals sort of thing where, it's I. The tone of it is going to be very different. I don't think it's going to be U.S. versus Russia like it was in the graphic novel. It's going to be more centered in that just that Tulsa area uh, where Regina King's character is a cop. Uh, so curious how they're going to keep it grounded. Um, but in terms of just the way it looks, I'm very, very excited for it. And also, Dr. Manhattan's back. That was a big tease at the end of the trailer. They're bringing him back. Yeah. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check it out when it comes out. The other thing I'm very excited for is coming out next year is uh, Westworld Season 3. And... I don't know how big, how big into Westworld are you? 
I watched both. I have watched both seasons of Westworld. I like season one a lot more than season two. I need to rewatch both seasons before I watch season three because even in reading recaps and trying to remember everything that happened in the first two seasons, I'm like, there's so much that happens with all the twists and turns. Yeah. I mean, season one was fantastic. I mean, like, I yeah. thought for sure when season one came out, I'm like, oh, this is going to be the Game of Thrones successor. Don't mm-hmm. what happened. Then season two got a little, like, big, a little bloated. It got a little bit end. too crazy. A little too crazy. I feel like now they set themselves on an interesting direction in season three. And for, I'm going to throw the spoiler warning out there for those of you who have not seen Westworld. Again, like see, the Westworld season two ended with some of the host characters, especially like uh, Evan Rachel Woods, Dolores, basically leave the park, mm-hmm. got into the real world, and now they're roaming around the real world. You have some still in the park, like we saw Dandy Newton's character, Maeve and Hector, in a World War II inspired park and in the trailer. But it looked like Nazi controlled. Yeah, Nazi controlled War II. It's like a yeah. s- sort of like a twist eye, like mm-hmm. almost like Man in the High Castle. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like what happened to the Nazis won in that sort of a scenario. But like I always, they gave you just enough. You're like, ooh, this looks interesting. And that gave you a big chunk of the plot. Like we're doing this. Like Aaron Paul's in this show and I was a new character and you have know nothing aside from the fact that he has a robot buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I, I hope this is a more linear story than the first two seasons in terms of, like, the time jumps in the first two seasons. And especially season two. Especially season two. It was too much. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping this is a more linear story. It's a departure in terms of they're not going to be in an amusement park world anymore. They're going to be in the real world, quote, unquote. So It's almost lost-esque a little bit where, where in later seasons where, like, they finally, like, some of them left the island and are in the real world and there's it still is. people on the island. Yeah, so, again, I'm a little bit worried because it's still everyone so spread out in so many different uh, environments, if you will. That I'm a little bit worried about that, but if with a more linear story, I think that'd be easier to understand everyone's different atmospheres where they are. But I'm going to watch it. I don't know if I'm going to be watching it live every single Sunday like I have in the first two seasons. I might be waiting until like a oh, it's a Tuesday night. I haven't watched uh, haven't watched Westworld yet. I'll put it on tonight. How did you like the trailer? The trailer was good. I thought it was good. I thought it showcased the different look. It's again, you're going to be in a more futuristic world. Um, isn't there also an amusement park world called Future World within uh, the six amusement parks like that I, West World and Shogun I, I, World are in? I think there is. I don't think they've shown it yet, but I think it is there. They haven't shown it yet, so I think there's a possibility for that. The trailer was good. It got me excited for the third season. I have to go back and watch 20 YouTube videos to remember everything that happened and which characters are which and which people are in which bodies. Yeah. Um, but I am excited for it. I'm going to watch it. Don't know if it's going to be at the top of my queue every single week, though. Yeah, that's definitely interesting for sure. Let's let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll do some what Jonathan is best at, movie reviews. We are back for some movie reviews time with John Stank, our resident film critic. We'll start with the movie you just heard, The Circle of Life from The Lion King live action remake. John and I both saw this movie. John went to the Alamo Draft House to see mm-hmm. it. So what was your grade for this movie? I gave The Lion King a B. Um, I thought it was good. It's not earth-shattering great. 
But if you're a fan of The Lion King, you will enjoy this movie. I definitely get the gripes that critics have with it in terms of the story and the pacing and the different aspects of the, the voice performances that are very, very uneven. I get that and I see that. Though, I just at this point, I'm a little bit of a sucker for The Lion King. It was my favorite animated movie as a kid. And for the most part, it recaptured the magic... I'd say to like a 65, 70% degree. So I still enjoyed my experience going to the movie theater. Yeah, I think I was a little lower on than you. I think I gave it like a, I gave it like a B minus just because like visually it's stunning. Oh, it's a feat. It's a feat of animation. I mean, when the first, when the circle life sequence, the start of the movie, they do a shot for shot recreation. It just looks incredible. Mm -hmm. I have issues with, I think the music I think was actually worse than the 1994 one was. I think there are certain songs that were better and certain songs that were worse. Like they butchered Beat Repair. Oh my goodness gracious. You have no idea. That was so bad. It was so bad. I did not like the direction they took the hyenas in. I felt like, I do not, I thought they made them way too serious. I felt they tried to make the Shenzi character basically be Nala's rival in the movie because they said we need to get Beyonce something to do. Yeah, I think the one thing with the hyenas is that they're not entirely politically correct in the animated movie in 1994. They definitely make some comments and stuff that would, if you said them now, they would definitely get some backlash. So that's why I think they were kind of forced to. But I would agree with you that the Shiri character just wasn't needed in the movie. Yeah. She could have been excommunicated from the movie and it would have been totally fine. My issue was I felt like not even that they things that they said, I felt the tone they talked about them was wrong. I felt like we had a serious villain, Scar. We didn't need serious hyenas. I like. I would have liked it to be more like the Ed character was the original, like more, be more deranged sort of villains or like they're like mentally yeah. unstable. Like I feel like that would be more fun. No, listen, I agree with you on that. I think the hyenas were, yeah, they were a below average part of this movie. They, the tone of the movie for the most part was very uplifting, but then you get to the hyenas and everything is dark and gringy all the time, which I get they're evil characters. Uh, the vo- I think the voice performances though by Keegan-Michael Key was good. I thought Eric Andre as Azizi was good. So I thought those two but um, were funny in the worlds they had yeah. in terms of like them not eating Simba when he went off the cliff. They can just say that they did or whatever. Yeah. So I think they were good, but I would agree with you that overall, I think Scar was the classic baddie and they just tried to double up on the, the evilness that yeah. in within Pride Rock within the kingdom and it just didn't work. Yeah, I also, I mean, obviously this movie made a ton of money. It's already flown past a billion dollars like we said it would. I think it's already top 20 all-time grossing movies of all time. I think it's already inside the top 20. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to make, like, close, it might close in at $2 billion, to be honest with you, how well it's doing overseas as well. But, like, honestly, I think Aladdin was better live action than this was. See, I haven't seen Aladdin. That's the one I haven't seen yet. I think it was better, to be honest with you, because I feel like Lion King, I think, was just too, I think it was too long. I think they, because obviously the original is what, like 100 minutes? Yeah. I feel like they. Not even. I think it's like 94 minutes, 94 the original. Min- yeah. yeah, yeah like, Super short. Like this one, that points was just dragging because they were sort of like extending things out. And they didn't really, I felt like for what they added, they didn't really give you much new of like what was there. I mean, like, I feel like they sort of extended sequences we already seen, like, just. Oh, in, the, in the 94 version. I don't think we got much new material for our extra bang for our buck there. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And I think they also shortened sequences that I think were more profound in the animated movie. Might, like, be, might be prepared. Like, be prepared. I think Mufasa's death in the animated movie was far more emotional yeah. than in this movie. I don't know. I can't I, put my finger on why. I think, you know, I think it is. You know that cut in that movie. Also, I'll, I'll throw a very brief spoiler out there. Because, I mean, you've seen Lion oh, King. Oh, everybody's seen The Lion King. This doesn't even need a spoiler warning. Yeah, so I'll give you the two-second one. That's it. That's all yeah, you're that's getting. All you're getting. You should, if you haven't seen The Lion King, at least the animated version, just no. Stop the podcast now and go listen. Then restart the podcast for Mike. Well, that's also that's also just for the people who haven't seen the live action one. That's the oh, main, okay. You're right. Because there's fair. one because sh- like there's a shot in the live action one when who's falling. It is kind of zoom in slowly on Simba going no. 
well. It's like that sort of like makes it not really look serious to me. It looks like kind of cartoonish. I think they had that same shot on the animated one, though. Yeah, but it looked like much, much, like they much slower on the yeah. live action one. Yeah, I it, they again them drawing it out. I think the big problem with Mufasa's death is when Mufasa's uh, over uh, or Simba's over Mufasa's body, saying like "Wake up, wake up." I think Scar just comes too quick. I just don't feel the emotional resonance yeah. of of Simba feeling sad at that moment in time. Yeah, that's a thing that like I don't think. I think uh, the voice actor for Scar was not as good this time. See, I didn't think I didn't think uh, Chihuahua Ejiofor. I can't say his name. Uh, I'm really bad with names, guys. But again, the voice actor for Scar. I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was as bad as people thought. I, I thought Beyonce was bad. Yeah. I thought she was. I thought she was bad. Yeah. I don't. I think her song was fine. You had to. You, if Beyonce's in your movie, you have to put in a song. But I thought her voice acting was bleh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I think there was a lot of like downgrades or the voice cast. They're like, it's good. It was good. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying it's like the expectations were so oh, so yeah. high, and I feel like they did not deliver. People thought this was going to be a best picture quality movie when it first dropped, when that first trailer dropped. Yeah, and they basically gave you all the best stuff in that first trailer. Yeah, though I mean, I will say in terms of voice acting, Timon and Pumbaa, great, unbelievable. Yeah, they they were unbelievable. By far the highlight of the movie. Every single person who's seen this movie I've talked to it says the best parts are Timon and Pumbaa. Without I, I a doubt. 100% agree with that. I yeah. feel like everybody else could have stepped up, could have reached their game. Without that movie, would have been so yeah. much better. Bill Eckner and Seth Rogen uh, for Timon and Pumbaa. They are dying my hands down. What did you think of the uh, Beauty and the Beast uh, line drop? Well, that was hilarious. That was the funniest part of the movie. <laughs> I watched. I saw this movie with my sister and my parents and we were all cracking up laughing when that happened. Some people didn't like it, which is insane to me. They yeah. thought it was too cheesy. I was like, oh no, it was perfect. It's not too cheesy. I mean, the original, we had Zazu saying it's a small world, so... Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> in the original movies... Like, oh, I didn't know that in 1994. Oh, there you go. I learned something new today. In the original movie, Scar is asking Zazu to entertain, and he starts saying it's a small world after all. Like, at one I point, did not remember that. It's like, that I remember. I was like, oh, they did something similar like that, so... Yeah, that I that was unbelievably funny. And also, this, this is something where they had to change it uh, to be politically correct, but in the animated movie, uh, Timon... Or, excuse me, Pumbaa goes... They call me Mr. Pig. Yeah. And I used to say that line all the time. Yeah. And then they edit it in this new one, and it's not the same line. And it doesn't have the same emotional punch, and I was very disappointed walking out of the theater about that. All but right. again, the movie's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's just not great. You'll you'll enjoy it if you like The Lion King, but like you, if you're expecting a masterpiece, you're not getting that. No, exactly. I would agree with you there. Yeah. Right, let's go on to some of the other ones you've seen recently. Let's go to Rocket Man. Somebody talked about back in May. You just got to it recently. I still haven't gotten there yet. What are your thoughts? Rocket Man was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. It was a fantastic time at the movie theater. Mike, I was just telling you off air, I was probably the second youngest person in the theater. I went with my parents. Everyone else was over 60 years old, and there was one young grandchild of some grandparents who were there in the movie theater with yeah. me. But this movie looks great. Uh, Dexter Fletcher, the director, did a phenomenal job staging all the musical pieces. This movie plays like a musical. The songs are intertwined a lot with the story in terms of like people dancing at an amusement park and stuff like that. So it looks looks really good. Uh, Taron Egerton is phenomenal as Elton John. In my opinion, this is a better performance than Rami Malek had as Freddie Mercury. And also Taron Egerton actually sang all the songs as well. So that gets extra bonus points for me as well. This movie was just really good. I gave it a B plus. I strongly recommend everyone to go see it. It's probably one of the top ten movies I've seen this year. Is it so? It's definitely better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, it's without a doubt a better movie than Bohemian Rhapsody, and it's not even remotely close. 
Shout out to Stanko's girlfriend who's listening to this podcast. She no, she very I, she doesn't know my opinions about it. I don't know if she'll listen to this, but <laughs> I told her she would like this movie. If you like musical movies and if you like Elton John and if you like a story like this, you are going to love this movie because it's it's better than Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. in almost every single way. Yeah. The only thing is you might not know as many songs as you know of Queen. It might not be as singalongable, if you will. But in terms of the the acting, the writing, the story, the directing, everything is better in Rocket Man. It was a very good movie. All right, let's go to another one that just came. Now, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, what did you think of that? The best movie I've seen this year. I gave it an A-. Uh, you're like, you didn't give it an A or an A+. No, there are still some things I don't think were great but because Quentin Tarantino has his style. Um, this movie, though, is the best made movie I've seen this year. Brad Pitt is super sexy. Just saying that objectively, he is awesome in this movie. He's just playing it cool. He's basically... For me, I compared him to Bullet, the movie Bullet with Steve McQueen, to Cool Hand Luke and Luke from Cool Hand Luke. You combine those two characters, the suaveness of just acting too cool for school but also being approachable. That was Brad Pitt in this movie. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is super vulnerable in his role as an actor, depicting the faults that actors have when their careers are fading. I think a little bit of self, self-reflection self went into that role for Leo, so phenomenal there. Margot Robbie is beautiful, and her character... I don't know if you remember, but it got kind of bashed for not having a lot of talking parts, and people were worried that she was being put on the back burner compared to Pitt and Leo. But her role in this movie is very, very important, and she acts as the audience's avatar for the Hollywood atmosphere that is around in the late 1960s, so she's very, very important. Everything about this movie was great. It's Quentin Tarantino style. It's his writing. It's his directing. This movie's an A- minus for me. It is the best main movie I have seen this year. That's not high praise. It's, it's unbelievably yeah. good. Quentin Tarantino does not make bad movies. He has not made a single bad movie, and he continues to stretch here. This is probably top four Tarantino movie for me. Probably number four, just going off the top of my head. So what are the top three for you? Oh, top three. I have to pull up my list. Inglorious Bastards is number one. Um, Pulp Fiction, probably number two. And then and then it's, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love the first Kill Bill. Second one was not as good. Tarantino, though, says Kill Bill 1 and 2 are the same movie, so you have to combine them together. Yeah. So it's between Kill Bill, it's between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I really like Django Unchained as well. Um, so it's probably somewhere in between there. But for sure, top two are Inglorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, let's stay on Tarantino for a second. I know like he's had this thing, like only, only directing this many movies before I retire, and... There's also this rumor flying around now. He's not sure about he wants to do a Star Trek movie. And he then, says he's doing it. He's he going to do an R-rated Star Trek movie. And then he doesn't know if it's going to count towards his total or it's going to be a separate one. So, so yeah, I mean, the thing with all of, all of Tarantino's movies is they're all original ideas. And we touched on it earlier in the podcast about how I love original ideas. So if he does if he does the Star Trek one, he might be able to say it's not part of his list because it's taken from a different ether. It's not his original idea put yeah. to screen. Yeah. So he might be able to get away with that. Though Tarantino, don't stop making movies because everything you make is gold. Yeah, I think what he said he wants to make nine, like nine or ten. Is like he make. You think he said one away, not count, not not, not counting the Trek movie. Yeah, so he this is his ninth movie. Uh, this movie is literally billed as Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie, as I believe the tagline yeah. for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So yeah. he's the name of the director. The director is getting top billing on yeah. this movie in the movie poster. That's how good of a director he yeah. is, and he deserves it every single which way. All right, let's go to the next big money maker on the list here, Hobbs and Shaw, which you saw over the weekend. So what were you, what was your thoughts on that? Hobbs and Shaw. It does its job very well. Fans of the Fast and the Furious movies will like it. I gave it a B minus. Uh, the action sequences are great. Um, the story, meh. A lot of the dialogue, meh. Uh, some of the acting, meh. The cameos, meh. But the action was very, very good. 
And the best part, and I mentioned that the dialogue and the story and the exposition aren't that great, but when Jason Statham and The Rock, when Hobbs and Shaw are just trading blows at each other and just talking to each other and bantering, it's a lot like a WWE promo when they're just throwing insults at each other. That's when the movie really clicks and it's really good. Yeah. Though, unfortunately, you can't have that for, for over two hours. Yeah. You need to have some other dialogue and stuff like that in there to continue the story going. So the story itself, not great. The final third act, I really didn't enjoy. It was not that great. Uh, but the first two acts I thought were incredible, especially there's a chase through London that is might be the best action scene I've seen this year in a movie. Uh, so it's incredibly well done. If you like these types of movies, you will enjoy this movie. Again, it's not the best in the Fast and the Furious franchise. I give it a B-. minus. I recommend seeing it eventually, though I wouldn't go rushing out this moment to see it. Yeah, you know, it's still going to make a killing at the box office anyway. So. Oh, my God, it's going to make a bajillion dollars. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a race to see which movie makes more, this movie or The Lion King. Yeah, I feel like it's just this does so much better in China than The Lion King will. I feel like that's going to give it the edge. Oh, yeah. No, again, the again, David Leach, who directed this movie, he knows how to do action set pieces. Like, he, he's the, he did Atomic Blonde. He's uncredited on John Wick. He knows how to do action, and he does action incredibly well. It's all the other components. They don't really tie in together, especially in that third act. Yeah, and obviously the big surprise that came with Hobbs and Shaw was the Christopher Nolan trailer for Tenet dropped. Yes! It dropped, and nobody knew it was coming. So you're sitting there watching At Hobbs the time Shaw. of taping, yeah. you haven't seen it yet because it hasn't dropped online yet. Yeah, because Christopher Nolan is very particular with his trailers. He will not release them online until he's ready. So right mm-hmm. now it is only in the theater in front of Hobbs and Shaw. So unless you go see it, you're not seeing it yeah. right now. Uh, that might be the main ticket, to, main reason to go see Hobbs and Shaw to see this trailer. It's really short. I think it's about a minute long. I legit dropped my candy when it came up. You saw the uh, Sunoco, uh, Sunokpi, yeah. uh, his production company come up, and I'm going, oh my god this is it yeah. and then it literally it like started and i was like oh and i dropped the candy i had in my hand i was so excited yeah. it's very short um it plays at the expectations of a superhero or a hero if you will in today's society it pokes fun at that a little bit i'll say that just tickle your brain a little bit and only one of the major actors appears in the trailer and i'll say that as well uh i can give you the name of the actor if you want uh john david washington yeah is the one actor who performs in it. But the trailer, it's it's Christopher Nolan-esque. It's, you knew it right away. You saw the production logo, and then you saw the tone of the first three seconds of the footage, the actual footage, and it was like, oh, my God, Christopher Nolan's back with an original idea. Just sign me up. It, it got me super excited for it. Yeah, and again, Nolan's very much like he's not like one of the people who like makes a big fuss about what he puts out. He wants to be no. experienced a certain way. So like, absolutely, he didn't go to Comic Con and drop the trailer there. He didn't drop it on the internet like just randomly. He put it in front of a movie theater where he knew there's gonna be a lot of people to go mm-hmm. see it. So like, he put it in front of Hobbs and Shaw. He said that's gonna be a lot of people are gonna go see this movie. So um, they're gonna see my trailer there. And that's where it's gonna be for a little while. This reminded me a lot of the first trailer of Dunkirk. It's short. It doesn't give you a lot of the plot or any of the plot really. It just sets the tone for what the movie's going to be like. It gives you a very, very, very broad idea of what to expect. But dude, Christopher Nolan's one of the best directors in in the entire world. So anything he's making, you have to make time to go see it. Yeah, he's my favorite director by far. So like I've seen pretty much all of his movies. I haven't seen his very first one. I've seen everything since. So what is your favorite Nolan movie? <sighs> I think the best made Nolan movie is Dunkirk. Yeah. That movie, in terms of production value, the sound editing in that movie was remarkable. Um, and I think that's the best made movie. The way he plays with pace, it's all the same story, just shot in different time frames. Yeah. 
it bas- it did uh, it played with time and time frames better than Westworld ever could. Yeah. Just touching it back on Westworld. So Dunkirk is the best main movie, but my favorite movie is The Dark Knight, yeah. and it, it will be. It's the best superhero movie I've ever seen. Uh, the Joker performance by Heath Ledger is top notch. Uh, that is still my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, and that's the one I've seen the most. Yeah, I love the the Dark Knight. That was great. And give a shout out to some of the other ones. Obviously, Inter- like Interstellar, I like when it came out. It was not as well received as some mm-hmm. of these other movies. I think the Prestige is very underrated. Prestige his, is very good, very underrated movie in his in his catalog. There, I think my personal favorite though would be Inception. Inception, it, I mean, mind boggling idea, and he, the fact that he could bring Inception to a movie screen and have it make sense, yeah, is just a feat in itself. Yeah, I mean, like when you first watch it, you're a little confused, and you start picking it up as you go, and you're like, oh, this is so cool, or so many layers here, like all this stuff is going on. My mind's like, like, like yeah. And, like, it was so fun because, like, I was able to use that kind of practice watching Interstellar because I predicted one of the plot twists in Interstellar because I had seen Inception. Mm-hmm. I mean, he the thing with it, Inception was the first movie, one of the first movies I can ever recall where I could remember talking about theories afterwards of what it all meant and different Easter eggs about what meant, what was, like, the, the spinning... The totem. Uh, the, yeah, the totem at the end. Did it fall or did it not? And looking into clues in the movie. It was the first time I, like, ever dove into Reddit to be like, okay... What are people talking about this movie? I need to know everybody's theory about what it means. It was one of the first movies to ever do that, and that was that's a testament to Nolan. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of fun. I cannot wait to actually get a hold of this trailer see what happens. I will be in the theaters when this comes out in 2020. Oh, so. you, I'll probably be there opening weekend. You can count on that. Yeah, I will be as well. John, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, you want everybody, do you want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media and some of the stuff you're up to? Yeah, sure. I, I'm on Twitter mostly at jstanko99, and I also write a lot of movie stuff and uh, put up some random lists at Stanko Stance dot wordpress.com so if you want to follow me and get my movie takes you can follow me on those thanks for the opportunity mike no problem john thanks again i will we'll be back again some point in the future definitely for star wars we were doing something oh absolutely for sure without a doubt and i may just ambush your podcast studio to talk about it chapter two yeah i may just have to do that yes. i may just ask joe when you're taping and just dive right in yeah okay i'll be open to that <laughs> okay all right and that will do for this week's show I want to thank my guests, Pete Considori and John Stanko, for stopping by to talk Stranger Things and all things movies slash Comic-Con slash Marvel in this week's episode. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at how the New York Mets are coming back from the dead, or the episode I just mentioned at the top of the show with Rob Carpenter talking Jets football, be sure to check out the blog over justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Simply search for Just End the Suffering on any of those platforms, and you can find all the episodes there. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings or help make the show even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me the hashtag NewCoke. You made it at the end of this week's show. Next week, we're going back to sports again. We have a college football preview coming up. I will catch you up on what's going on with the Mets and how they're making a push to come back in the playoff hunt and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Russian scientist Alexei. Hey!